0: This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio Program. Today you're going to hear one of my colleagues that's been with me since 1998, Dr. E.J. Buckhart. He's speaking at my staff service. I was actually out of town. And the topic of his message was deception. This was recorded November 2020. Now sit back and enjoy
1: today's message. Dice title is Deception, and deception leads to disobedience. And we are living in a society right now of total deception. And the Lord even said, as the times get to the end, the deception will be so great that even if it were possible, the elect could be deceived. My wife and I, basically every day, there may be a few days you don't, where we pray for discernment to see through the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. Because if you don't, you're not going to see it. Back in 2013, I talked to a man by the name of Don Stevens, and he was writing a book called Deception in Modern Christianity. And the other day, my daughter, we went into her room, and we found this book in there that she was reading, and I have never read it, and he sent this to me back in 2013. I've been trying to get a hold of Don, but I have not yet. But it is one tremendous book. It's not written by a theologian. It's not written by a pastor. It's written by a man who actually grew up on a farm. He became a fireman for the city of Dallas, Texas, and became the deputy chief of the fire department in Dallas. And he was there for 23 years, and then he moved to Lubbock, Texas, where I met him. And there he was the chief of the fire department. But he also does prison ministry. Anyway, the book, I think, is... Because I've been looking at this idea of deception for a long time. But to try to put some of the stuff into words, sometimes you need to look to other people to help you put it into words. And he has done such a fabulous job. And the goal of the book, when he wrote it, was to identify deception in modern Christianity. And if you go on Amazon the book, it sells for uh the book sells for seven ninety-five, and it, it states this right on Amazon, which I think is kind of interesting. He says, uh, compare what he's doing is compare modern teachings and the truth of God's word, show the differences, and publish the truth. Perilous times are coming. Now, once again, this is written in 2013. Perilous times are coming. Morality and godliness are declining. In Christian nations, corruption, violence, and greed are increasing. Opportunity to provide for basic needs of families are declining. We need to have two people working in a family now, sometimes three, just to provide housing and food. Citizens are serving government more than governments serving the citizens. Sound familiar? Threats of war are increasing. Efforts to fix these problems without obedience to God are failing. What can we do? God has given us the instructions. We must seek his truth in his word, the Bible. Then we must repent of our pride and disobedience and obey his instructions. We've been hearing this message for a long time in this ministry. And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, I have added this. In order to keep his commandments, we must love him. And if we truly love him, then we can keep his commandments. Deception. The words deceptions, I looked up in concordance, and the word that either be deceit or deceitfulness, deceive or being deceived in others, in the Old Testament, it's 30 times. The phrase or the, knowledge or the idea of deception appears 30 times. In the New Testament, it appears 36 times. So, there's got to be something important when it's that found that many times in Scripture. To help us understand the need, we need to see through the lies and deceptions of Satan in our modern Christianity and it also in our church because I think many in the church are totally deceived and they don't even know it Satan is a very very clever liar and we'll get into that and I'm going to go through just a few of these of the book and uh, with scripture reference Jesus taught his disciples what he wanted them to know he actually taught them the Old Testament Jesus did not have the New Testament. He had the Old Testament. And he taught them from the Old Testament what he wanted them to know. Many people that the disciples taught became one church through many congregations. A lot of home churches and some not home churches. One church. One church. Jesus did not tell the disciples to teach things of the Pharisees the Sadducees, the rabbis, and the great what the great religious leaders taught. Jesus knew that some of those would be taught was not from God. Remember, from Malachi to the New Testament, it's 400 years. If that was the last book that we know of in the Old Testament, it's Malachi. Because it's 400 years there. If you look in the Old Testament, you'll never see anything about a Pharisee, a scribe, or a rabbi. So it's during those 400 years this thing developed. And Jesus' teachings through the disciples who taught others to go and make disciples and spread the gospel of nations brought hope, salvation, meaning of life, and a purpose. But since that time, various doctrines and teachings have appeared within the church and has infiltrated the body of Christ, splitting it into thousands of denominations. Now, the last I heard, I can't prove this, was 4,004 denominations. Christ taught one church with many congregations. Now, there is an interesting thing in Bellingham. Uh, Bellingham is not one of the Christian cities. But anyway, there is a movement in there which a group of pastors have come together and pray 24 hours a day. And this is through the fusion group that we're working with here in Stanwood. But they pray 24 hours a day. Now, the churches are not coming together in a church. Each church is separate, so to speak. But they have come together in unity to pray. And there are some things happening in Bellingham, which is one of the, what do they call these cities? Liberal, uh, Yeah, but also uh, sanctuary cities. So things are happening. Steve knows a little bit about that town. He's been up there. He knows what it's like. What's the, what's the word you call for Bellingham? Bellingrad. Bellingrad. <laughs> Bellingrad. <laughs> okay. So what has happened? Why is this taking place? People began to add and to subtract from God's word. And it says for the time will come in Second Timothy four three, the time will come when we will not endure sound doctrine, having itching ears, and they shall heap upon themselves teachers in accordance to their own lust. For I testify in Revelations, it says 22, Revelations 22, 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. How do people add and subtract from Scripture? They added to God's Word and added their various thoughts and opinions to their teaching. They took away from God's Word, explaining away and ignoring parts of God's Word. The inspired men who wrote God's Word were inspired of God. Since then, people have written many versions of the Bible. Now, some of these are a good thing as translations into native language and different people groups. English is one of those. But with these newer translations, could our enemy Satan, the great deceiver, have a motive in trying to influence some of these changes? He says, I believe so. One of the ones I look at in one scripture that, that really applies to me is Romans 13, 1. It says, we shall be all subject to the higher power, period. Most translations say we shall be We need to obey the powers of government that the enemy has used to get churches to say whatever the government says you must obey. They are the higher power. No, there's a higher power than government and we need to obey the higher power. And we're being put into a situation in America right now where this has to take place. Because if you don't allow Jesus and God to be in control of your life, you are going to suffer some of the plagues and penalties. God says it. It's, it's, it's all in his word. It hasn't changed. A Deception in a doctrine or teaching can be found by comparing what it says to God's word, actually says, and does not say. We must seek the truth by studying God's Word, than blindly following people who have blindly followed others who have been deceived by false teachings. I went through a Lutheran theological seminary, and I was trained in the doctrines of the Lutheran church. I was not trained in the doctrines of the Bible, necessarily, but it was their teachings. And at the examination day, I had to write an article or essay in which I'd be examined and my particular essay was who killed jesus was it the government or was it the church that was the essay i, I, I was a greek scholar at that time and so that's what i wrote on anyway so they examined me well unfortunately or fortunately unfortunately how want to look at it i was already determined i was going to become a pilot And I graduated from seminary. I had my pilot's license. I was a flight instructor and trying to go in to become a pilot missionary for the Lutheran Church. And that did not happen. I ended up flying with the airlines for 32 years, as most of you know. And so all the questions happened to come from my three professors that examined me. One I played handball with, and he liked me because I could beat him in handball, and he was good. I wasn't that good. He was good. But I beat him. The other one was a gentleman who became the president of the seminary. And he asked me, he says, E.J., I'm one of the hardest professors of this seminary. You aced my course. I won't tell you the grades I got in other ones. The, the history teacher, the one I played, played handball with, gave me a D because he didn't want to fail me. But this one said, E.J., before I die, I want you to explain to me why you passed my grades And I was one of the hardest professors, and you didn't, and you flunked the other ones, but got bad grades. Unfortunately, he was over in Africa, I think it was Africa, he contacted a very serious disease, and before he was able to be treated, he died. So I was never able to answer that question. But I was taught and trained the doctrines of the church. Anyone nowadays, I'll tell you, that goes to a seminary, it's going to be trained in the doctrines of the church. Whether the doctrine—I mean, some of these doctrines are good, okay. Some of them come right out of the Bible, but there's others that they kind of play with a little bit. That's why we have so many denominations and so many different seminaries. I want to put in a plug a little bit for our Bible school here, CLST, that we're associated with. All of the teachers—they're not professors; they're all teachers. All these teachers have a special interest in a special part of the gospel. And that's what they teach on. They're not teaching a denominationalism. They're teaching something they feel on their heart that they've learned from the Bible. And so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed those courses very much. So we did have one course in there, which was basically once saved, always saved. Now he'll come against that one in here, but there was a doctor, once saved, always saved. And it was a very good course because we got to see why do people believe in that doctrine, teaching. Okay? But eventually we were, like Dr. Hansen said, we we probably would have never taken the course, but the fact we took the course was interesting because we got to see the other side. But we, we made a complaint to the school. We weren't the only ones. They had many complaints and the course has been removed. And so I I speak highly of that school because if there's something in there that people are saying, hey, this doesn't follow scripture, we don't want it being taught. We must seek the truth by studying God's word rather than blindly following people who blindly followed others who have been deceived. Now, just because we're blinded is because we're deceived. And we've got to be able to see through That's why I say we need to pray for the, the discernment to see through the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. Within the church nowadays, some of many of the denominations, matter of fact, I had a contact with the seminary with one of the people they were out looking for money, you know, to help support seminary, and I had to tell him, I said, I cannot support this seminary anymore because you're you're ordaining homosexual pastors. I cannot. That's unbiblical, it's unchristian. She said, Would you like us to remove your name? I said, Yes. And that was the end of the conversation. But that person I talked with has no authority to argue with me in behalf of the seminary. But, but uh, so I mean, here's what we see: the, the the doctrines that are coming into the church, and these are, this is blasphemy. This is blasphemy. He says in here, the intent of this book is to help us learn to recognize and to avoid the dangerous deceptions and to follow God's word. Why do we pray? There's a David Wilkinson said, we need to be in the word of God. And Steve made a comment at our Thanksgiving dinner, uh, which we're in there. He says, if you read an author today of a book, he leads you through the book the way he wants you, something like this. But if you go to the Bible, these things were written thousands of years ago. We cannot go into the Bible with our modern day thinking. We have to understand it in the terms of the of the time it was written. Otherwise, we will be totally led astray, and we can see this over and over again. And he could give you some real excellent examinations, but I'm speaking, he's not, so we won't talk about that. Right, Steve? But there's one that I will mention about, and I think was coming up in my message. You shall be set free. No, you shall be made free. Okay? If you're a made free, you are a new creature. Totally different. So you don't have to go into your old past or do the old things that you used to do before you became a new creature. If you are set free, you have the ability to go back and do the things you used to do. If you're set free from prison and you go back out and do the same things, even though you've been set free from fr- prison, you can go back. But if you've been a made a new person, as John said, you should not be able. You should be able to overcome all sin because you are a new person. You're made. You're not set free. You're made free. And he, Steve, pointed this out to me many years ago, and I, it's 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 really struck you know, stuck in my heart. He says when he was involved in prison ministry and reflected on early years of his life, it became clear to me living by our feelings instead of God's commandments is very destructive. Not that feelings are wrong. We have love feelings for our spouses and our friends, but feelings can lead you astray and satan is very skillful in working through our feelings to get us to get us out of the obedience to god and into destructive choices when a person focuses on his or her feelings will find it very difficult to keep god's commandments a focus on trust in obedience to our god and the truth of his word will serve us much better we are at war <laughs> Have you heard anybody say that one around here? We are at war. Satan's greatest weapon is deception. He has been successful in using this weapon for thousands of years. He's not new at it. He's very skilled at it, and we got to understand that. And that's what he used against Eve and Adam in the garden, which caused them to sin and to come upon mankind. This is why I say we need to pray for discernment to see through the lies and deceptions of the enemy. Satan still is successfully using deception today against millions of people who are not paying attention to God's Word. There are, I look at some churches, and when you come to churches, they got Bibles. Now they have, what do you call, I don't know what you call the Bibles and those things, but, but at least they have the Bible in front of them. But they, and they carry with the Bible. And the pastor leads them, look up this passage, look this up, open up your Bible. And what's the name of the pastor down in California? Now, John McCarthy. He's the one that's really standing up strong and holding worship against the governor's deal. But he always says, now people open it. you that have Bibles, open your Bibles up. But you go to many churches and you won't see anybody carrying a Bible into that church. Now, I have to be very careful because some people can come and put that Bible in that little phone which I don't see, because, you know, this thing is a little bit heavy. And to carry it around all the time, it's, you know, if you can carry it around something like that, it's kind of nice, okay? Don't get me wrong on that. I mean, it's a great feature. But still, they just listen to what the pastor says, take his word for it, and they walk out the door. And that's not what the Bible says. You're even supposed to, ask, you know, test the pastor, what he's saying. Does it line up with the Bible? And that's why I say, we've been blessed in this congregation because we can take what Dr. Hansen says, and we can take it the Bible, and we can find it there. First, we can learn to examine what we see and what we hear in order to understand what it, it appeals to us. If it appeals to our flesh, our selfish flesh, then more to desire to fulfill God's plan for us, the enemy is out there trying to deceive us. The motive of most Satan's tragedies of deception is to get people To disobey God. So that their disobedience or their sin will separate them from God and make them servants of Satan. What are some of the strategies? Now, those are taking notes. You can write these strategies down. Let's take a look at some of the strategies that Satan uses to deceive people. Number one, Satan questions God's word. Satan questions God's word. Now, the first four that I give you all come out of Genesis with Adam and Eve. Two, Satan lies. What do you do when your children lie to you? Do we slap or spank them? Should we spank Satan? Caitlin, my granddaughter, wonderful Lord, wonderful girl of the Lord right now. Pray that she stays that way. But I remember one day I told, I said, Caitlin, she's probably only like three years old. I don't know, three or four. Says, Caitlin, and she remembers this. I says, Caitlin, whatever you do, don't lie to Grandpa. Grandpa. I can put up with a lot of things. You can break my, some of my toys or whatever the case may be. But don't lie to Grandpa. Well, guess what? She's a little girl. She's a little child. She lied to Grandpa. Grandpa caught it. And I spanked her on the bottom. Sorry for those people who don't believe in spanking children. But I spanked her on the bottom pretty hard. <laughs> Only once. It wasn't two swaps. It was one big hard swap. She goes home to her dad. She says, "Don't lie to Grandpa. He spanks real hard." (laughs) But you know, I think it worked. (laughs) Especially when she told her dad, "Don't lie to Grandpa. He spanks." Now, hope. Okay, number three. Satan often mixes his lies with some truth to make them more deceptive. Satan mixes his lies with some truth to make them more deceptive. And four, Satan appeals to the selfish desires in people to make sin attractive. That beautiful apple, if it was an apple, a beautiful fruit, a beautiful fruit. Oh, that looks so good. Lust of the flesh, you know, oh. First John 2.16 reads, for all that it is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That's first John two sixteen. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Okay, strategy number five. Now we'll get out of Genesis. Strategy number five. Satan gains success in getting people to disobey God. So anytime we disobey God, we're giving Satan's power. He is no rush. He works through time to cause sin to seem normal to people. In other words, he takes his time to make the sin that we're doing look normal. A good example of that is homosexuality. Now it becomes normal. So even within the church, homosexuality is now normal. Because this is the lie of Satan. If you keep keep it, it becomes normal. Sin becomes normal. And then you accept it as that. Same-sex marriage, abortion, all of this. It didn't happen overnight that this became sin within church. But the church has adopted this. This is the seriousness that we're suffering in America. Because if there's not repentance by the church, as Pastor said, I was talking to me. he said, we're not going to get the world to repent. But the Bible says, if my people repent,